0: Let's pray. Almighty and gracious God, Lord, we give you thanks for your faithfulness to us, shown throughout all moments of our lives, time after time, God, you are faithful. Lord, we ask that you can help us to trust in you, that we might more fully experience the power of your faithfulness to us each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many times in your life have you reflected on a a moment or a situation and looked back and said to yourself, if that hadn't happened, my life would be so different? Uh, One of those moments happened for me during the summer of 2017. Uh, The summer of 2017 was actually one of the more uh, exciting and uh, interesting summers of my life. And even before it started, it was shaping up to be a, a time that was supposed to be full of a lot of fun. And uh, I had just finished my second year in seminary, which meant one of the things I was going to do that summer uh, was move to Colorado, uh, where I was going to go and work at a church in Denver for a year. But that wasn't going to happen until about the middle of July. So uh, basically, I had from the end of May to the middle of July to do a lot of fun things, and I had a lot of fun things planned. Uh, First off, my cousin was graduating law school in Puerto Rico. So I was going to go uh, with my parents and my family and cousins and aunts and uncles, and we were all going to fly down there and spend a week together celebrating the graduation and, of course, taking some vacation. And then after that, I was going to fly back to New York and spend a week in New York with my brother and his family, and then drive back down to New Jersey and spend two weeks there with my parents, visiting friends, just hanging out and relaxing, and finally get back to St. Louis for one more week uh, before I would travel out to Colorado. And in that final week uh, in St. Louis, I was going to hang out with Lauren. And I think it's important to point out that uh, Lauren and I had only been dating for about two months at this time. And so, of course, we'd talked about long distance. And I would say neither of us was really excited for it, but we thought we would give it a try. And so the five weeks that I was going to be away before I was actually going to be away, uh, we're going to be somewhat of a trial run. We're going to see how it was going to go. And so I had uh, tickets booked, bags packed, I was ready to go. All I needed to do was uh, on Monday, June 5th, drive from St. Louis back to New York and get on the plane the next day. But that drive never happened, uh, because on Sunday, June 4th, 2017, everything changed. Uh, See, uh, what I was doing that Sunday afternoon was, of course, anything that uh, many of you would know. I was playing soccer, right? What do I do? I was playing soccer, and I was in an adult league, and uh, in the game, I went up for a ball in the air, I would hit it with my head, and someone else went up alongside me. And the next thing I know, I came down, and I was holding my eye, and I was in an immense amount of pain. And when I finally opened my eyes, I also realized that I was bleeding pretty profusely. And so uh, I left the game, and after some uh, time at a hospital, and x-rays and things, hours later it was confirmed... Uh, that I had fractured my right orbital bone, uh, which is basically the bone that holds your eye in place, and I'd broken my nose and I was going to need immediate surgery. And I'll be honest with you. In the days and the months that followed, there were so many times that I looked back on that day and I wondered how my life would have been different if I hadn't gotten injured. And yet now, when I look back nearly six years later, I can confidently say that even though I didn't see it at the time, God was at work. And I share that with you this morning because uh, in a similar way, that's what happens in the story that you just heard from Genesis. No, Joseph didn't break his face playing soccer. But uh, what we see in Genesis 45 is uh, Joseph looking back on his life and illustrating that when he looks back on his life now, he sees that at every step along the way, God was at work. That God was faithful to Joseph. And so as Joseph paints this picture for us, as he illustrates and looks back, he reveals that God's faithfulness has transformed his life and the lives of the people around him. And as I said to you last week, there's a biblical truth that that fits this entire story of Joseph. And I want to share it with you as we begin uh, begin today, because once again we'll see it come to life. We trust in God because he is faithful. We trust in God because he is faithful. Now before we get to Genesis 45... uh, I think I need to fill in the rest of the story for you. Because uh, as I mentioned... uh, Today we're finishing up a a short sermon series... ...looking at the life of Joseph. And over these two weeks we've reflected on the relationship... ...between uh, our trust in God and our faith in God. And and last week we talked about why we trust in God. And how trusting in God is an act of faith. And so uh, today we're going to look at the faithfulness of God... And how that transforms everything about our lives. So when we left off last week, we were at uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 28. And Joseph had just been sold off into slavery. At 17 years old, his brothers who hated him sold him and hoped to never see him again. So, uh, Joseph is a slave taken down into Egypt. And when he gets to Egypt, he's eventually purchased by uh, the captain of Pharaoh's army. A man named Potiphar. And Potiphar, or Potiphar, he he purchases Joseph, and so Joseph becomes a slave for him. And over time, Joseph works really hard, and Potiphar can see that, and so he rewards Joseph. He puts him in charge over all the other slaves. However, trouble arises when Potiphar's wife is attracted to Joseph, and eventually uh, wrongly accuses him of sexual assault. But Potiphar believes his wife over Joseph, and so Joseph is arrested and sent to prison immediately. Then while he's in prison, things get interesting because there are other prisoners there and, and they need some dreams interpreted. And if you remember in the story we heard last week, Joseph has this thing with dreams and God revealing things to him. So Joseph interprets some dreams of other prisoners. Eventually a prisoner gets out and the Pharaoh now needs some dreams interpreted. The prisoner says, I knew a guy who did that. He's in prison. So Pharaoh calls upon Joseph. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams and Pharaoh sees that Joseph is a wise man. And that he should keep him close. In fact, Pharaoh uh, treats Joseph now as his second in command. In Genesis chapter 41, verse 44, it says, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up a hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. So Pharaoh is saying, without Joseph's consent, nothing in Egypt will happen. Joseph is now that powerful in this foreign land where he was once a slave and a prisoner. Now, we fast forward seven years because one of the dreams Joseph interpreted was that uh, there was going to be seven years of abundance and and all the grain and the livestock, everything was going to be great for seven years and they were going to have so much. And then after that, there were going to be seven years of famine, seven years of hardship where there would be nothing. And so we're two years into that famine. And Joseph's family is suffering in the land where they still are. And so Jacob, Joseph's father, gathers his sons and says, go down to Egypt. ...because we need food, we need to survive. And when they arrive in Egypt... ...wouldn't you know that the person that's in charge of distributing the food... ...and all the resources for people is Joseph. Now the brothers don't recognize Joseph at first... ...and rightly so. They could have never imagined that they would see their brother ever again. But Joseph recognizes them almost immediately... And he has some interesting conversations with them. He he makes them do things that no one else has to do. But then eventually it gets to a point where Joseph can't take it anymore. Joseph can't hide himself. He doesn't want to hide his identity. And that's where our story in Genesis 45 picks up. Joseph's uh, brothers are there with him in his room... ...and he sends all his servants away. He empties out the room and says, I just want to be with these people. I just want to be with my brothers. And once the doors are shut, Joseph begins to sob. Joseph begins crying so loud, in fact, that Scripture tells us the whole palace could hear how loud his grief was. And as he's grieving before his brothers, he looks at them and he says, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? And as you can imagine, the brothers are just frozen. And they don't even respond. And put yourself in their shoes for a moment. The last time you saw your brother, this man, he was 17 years old. You hated him, you wanted to kill him, and you decided to sell him away. And you told your father that he was dead. Now, here he is, 22 years later. And at 39, he's saying to you, it's me, do you remember me? Think of all the shame and the guilt that must have come over them in that moment. Remembering how they felt about him, and what they did to him. Consider uh, the hatred that they must have felt, all those old emotions being brought back up by this incredibly confusing moment. Think about the fear that they must have been feeling in that moment. Thinking to themselves, how could this have happened? How is it possible that uh, our, our brother that we once sold and thought we would never have to see again because we hated him so much, is not only alive... But he's in charge over everything in a foreign land. And he's the one who now gets to decide whether or not we're going to get anything to survive. It's not really surprising that the brothers don't have anything to say in that moment. And yet Joseph then speaks. And when he speaks, it begins to change everything. Joseph says, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here... For God sent me before you to preserve life. For famine has been in the land these two years, and for five more years there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve a remnant on earth, to keep you alive for many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord over all his house, and ruler over all of Israel. So essentially in his words here, what Joseph has done is he's told his brothers that uh, this evil thing that they did, they don't need to feel bad about it, but rather God used that evil thing and he worked through that evil thing to bring about something even better, to bring about something so good. And I don't know about you, but this is the point in the story where I begin to struggle with this reality. ...that uh, when I think back on my own life... ...or I I reflect on the moments in which... ...I I say to myself, I wish that hadn't happened. I wish that could have been different. This moment uh, stands out for me. I wrestle with this part of the story. And maybe you do too. Because maybe you have those moments in your life... ...that you wish things could have been different. You always wonder, what if things had been different? And on the one hand... That's kind of a natural feeling. And it's okay to to feel that way and to wrestle with that. And at the same time, in his words here, Joseph invites us to think about things differently. Joseph invites us to to see things with a, a new perspective. Scripture offers us the chance to look back on even the worst moments of our lives and to ask ourselves, what is God doing? Because one thing that we know is God is always doing something. And we know that God only does good things. And now we see that God can use even the worst moments in someone's life to bring about something good. And therefore we can trust that whatever God is doing is for our good. And because we can trust in God, we can then see that his faithfulness to us to do everything good for us is always going to happen and it changes everything about our lives and we see the faithfulness of God transforming Joseph and the words that he says here in three different ways the first way that Joseph's life is transformed is by the power of forgiveness listen again to what he says to his brothers do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life In this moment, Joseph is proclaiming forgiveness to his brothers. He's saying, don't feel bad about what you did. Don't feel guilty, don't feel shameful, don't even be angry at yourself. Because God took what you did for evil and made it for good. God used it for his good purpose. God redeemed what was broken by his purpose and plan. And brought about something good. And at the end of the passage, you hear what happens. That Joseph begins to cry upon his brother Benjamin's shoulders. Benjamin, the brother who wasn't even born when Joseph was sold into slavery. Joseph falls upon his shoulders and cries. And then together, the brothers all begin to cry. They begin to embrace. And there's this powerful moment where we see reconciliation. We see restoration because of what God was doing all along. And the second way that we see the the faithfulness of God transforming Joseph's life is in the fulfillment of all the promises God has kept. Of all the promises that God once made, he's now kept these promises. See, if you look at the story of Joseph, and you go to chapter 39, which is where the, the slavery portion begins, and you track all the way to Genesis 45 in our text today, there are eight different times in which we are told about the work of God. Eight different times that we're told that God is doing something for Joseph. And it's got nothing to do with what Joseph was doing, but rather the work of God. Uh, We're told things like God is protecting Joseph, that God is showing favor to Joseph, that, that God is watching over Joseph. God is revealing his plans and purposes to Joseph over and over and over again. God is working in Joseph's life for his good, even when Joseph may not have seen it. And the third way that... Joseph's life is transformed by the faithfulness of God as he experiences the result of God's faithfulness. The result of, of trusting in God is that God reveals he was doing something greater than Joseph could have ever imagined. And it's not because of anything Joseph did. It's not because Joseph was perfect or he did everything right. It's simply because God is faithful to his promises. God keeps every promise that he made. And God promised to do good things. God promised to use what was evil and make something good come out of it. And Joseph was then able to look back over all the difficult moments in his life and perhaps the worst moment ever when he was sold by his own brothers and to see that every step of the way, God was faithful. And God was working. And because we know that God is faithful, And we know that God is always working for our good. We can trust in him. And as we trust in God, we begin to see more and more how his faithfulness at all times and in every situation transforms our lives. Over and over again, God's faithfulness to Joseph was revealed by his actions. By the reality that God is a living and active God. God is actively working something out for our good and for his glory. And God's faithfulness today is revealed the same way to me and to you by the way he is actively working in our lives. And this is most clearly seen in Jesus. All right, by the reality that God is so incredibly faithful and he's so incredibly good that he can use even evil things that happen to bring about something good. And we see this in perhaps the greatest act of of sin in this world, the the result of sin, which is death. And yet God uses the death of Jesus to bring about life for all people. And in in the context of the death and then the resurrection of Jesus, God is fulfilling all the promises that he has made in Jesus. That uh, In Jesus, God fulfills the promise that he will save us from sin and death and that he is continually doing that. In Jesus' work. In Jesus, God fulfills the promise that he is always doing something. In Jesus, God fulfills the promise that he is working all things out for our good and for his glory. In Jesus, God fulfills the promise that because he is faithful, we are faith-filled. That everything that God is doing is for our good good, that by the power of the Holy Spirit we are drawn more and more to trust in the faith that God is working in our hearts and minds so that our lives will be transformed. As I said earlier, uh, there was a time in which I would look back on that uh, summer of 2017 and I would wonder how my life would have been different if I hadn't gotten hurt. And there was a time where I was sad about all the things I didn't get to do all the trips I didn't get to go on, all the memories I didn't get to make with my family. And yet somewhere along the line I realized that God was working out his plan for my life. That even though I didn't know it then, God was doing something greater than I could have ever imagined. Because while I did miss out on some perhaps great memories and some wonderful stories instead, I got to spend six more weeks with my best friend. And uh, the person who was my best friend at the time is now my wife. And the truth is, I didn't know that back then. I didn't know that God was going to use that awful injury to bring about a unique time of growth and love. But as I look back now, I can see that. Like Joseph, I can look back on my life and trace the faithfulness of God even in the midst of the physical brokenness of my life. And I know that the same is true for you. When you look back on the moments in your life that you wonder how things could have been different, I want you to know that you can find the faithfulness of God over and over and over again, both in the worst moments of your life and in the best moments so far. That there is no part in your life where God is not working to redeem. There is no moment in your life that God is not watching over you. There is no part of your life that God cannot use to reveal his faithfulness. And the faithfulness of God transforms every part of our lives. And the faithfulness of God just keeps on going. The faithfulness of God is forever. Right here and right now, you and I are experiencing that faithfulness once again. And in just a few moments as we come together and we receive the body and blood of Jesus, we taste and see that faithfulness as it enters into our bodies for the goodness of our souls. And the truth is, every single day is just another opportunity to experience the faithfulness of God once again. And even though we may not see it in the moment, we can trust that whatever God is doing is for our good. And so our hope is found in the promise that Throughout all of our lives, every moment will be transformed by the faithfulness of God. And we will see, one day, all that God has done, all that God is doing, and all that God will continue to do. And so together, we trust in God because He is faithful. And His faithfulness goes on forever, for me and for you. Amen? Amen.